everyone to an all-new episode of the Drunk Friend Podcast. As always, I got Alex over here. Alex says yo. I do? Oh, oh yo. And then I, I say hello, and then we always introduce the guest at this time because we're going to party like it's 1999 with Pam. Pam, welcome to the show again. Hello. Thank you so much for having me on this this final year of the decade. Oh, man. We had to get you in before the 90s were done because, I mean... You know, we got we got a lot of PC games to talk about. We know you're you're in the the mix there. We're probably going to be talking about a few of your favorite classic games, some of your favorite music. So we had to have you in because after this year, after 1999, it's all downhill. <laughs> Basically, yeah. It really is, um, Pam. What I guess we can start with, like, what were you doing, like, personally? Where where was your life at? Where where what were you uh, interested in? Hobbies, stuff. Anything going on in your life in 1999? Well, in 1999, I would have been uh, 16. I would have turned 16, I guess, during the year. And I would have been, I don't, I'm so bad at years. Like, I'm so glad I've got this sheet in front of me. Like, I think, like, grade 11, maybe? Is that, does that sound right? 16, 11? 10th or 11th. 10th or 11th, yeah. yeah. Uh, I was playing a lot of video games. I was really getting back into consoles after a long time of only having an NES and playing PC games. I was, depending on if it was 10 or 11, either there was a teacher strike and there was no extracurriculars at all, or I was finally getting back into things and like helping coach the high school football team. So one of those things is true. (laughs) I mean, they're both true, but one of them is, you know, not the right year. (laughs) Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, coaching football, that that's an interesting thing about you. We've we've brought it up time and time again, and we will cover sports later. We're going to we're going to test your metal. We're going to throw out some we're going to throw out some sports names. We know you've you've been retired from coaching and probably from being remotely interested in sports since 1999. Uh-huh. We're we're going to lay it on you today. All don't, right. don't we're not going to hold back. Alex, what about you? What was uh what was your uh too cool for school attitude up to in 1999? <laughs> My hipster attitude. Uh not that hipstery and not too cool for school because um when I think of the year 99, I think of going to OzFest that summer. Oh, I would have been 17. Okay. Um, I went with a huge group of people from my high school, some of which I barely knew. But it was I think there were like 13 or 14 of us uh, spread out between two cars. And 99 was a very interesting year for that festival because um, there were a lot of bands that ended up becoming huge that weren't huge yet like the second band on the main stage if i remember correctly was system of a down mm. and they were like they had like their group of fans in front of the stage that were going ballistic for them but i mean, you had i had nobody had any indication that they were going to be like this massive band or anything like that but that that was interesting because they were playing songs from their that i don't know if it's their first album but the, the album with the hand on it yeah. Like Sugar and, mm-hmm. and those songs. So that was cool. And then on the other stage, uh, Slipknot was playing. So this is before they took off. So we were able to... And it, I, my reaction to that was like, what the hell is this? Like, just get out of the way. Like, what are you doing? Like, can, <laughs> can you just get Fear Factory on stage, please? But um, yeah, that was that was the year with uh, Rob Zombie, uh, Primus, Slayer, Fear Factory... Um, I can't remember very many others, but I remember having the most fun with Slayer and then 
in a very uh, uh, dangerous turn of events, uh, now that I think of it, uh, right when Slayer ended and got off the stage and like everything quieted down, people could hear ac- across the uh, venue, you know, because where, where, where I saw it was in Somerset, Wisconsin, um, in this like huge swath of land, you know, Woodstock style. So there's like one huge stage on one end and then there's a smaller stage like way over on the other side. And once everything after Slayer finished playing settled down, we could hear the faint cry of Fear Factory. <laughs> and everybody was like, Fear Factory's playing! And everybody turned and ran over as fast as they could. I, I apologize uh, retroactively for anybody that might have gotten like elbowed out of the way <laughs> or... Uh, just like you know, shoved into the ground. Hopefully, nobody was injured too badly. It wasn't that bad, but still, it was really, really exciting to go from a kick-ass Slayer show straight into Fear Factory. I got right up front. I'd never seen them before live. It was awesome. They were the loudest band there. Uh, I'm pretty sure they're responsible for what is uh, has been my bad left ear for the past 20 years now. Uh, so that was cool. Uh, that was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun in 99 because when I think of that year, that's what I think of. And I was, uh, still working at that golf course. I was, uh, I, I may have mentioned in the past. Uh, and that's, that was a great gig to have. So that was cool. So that does sound like you, you might've, you might've trampled a person. You got to see your favorite band. I mean, that is, that's a hallmark of a good year, you know? And you mentioned that, that band lineup and as a, a white cargo short wearing dad, I'd still go to that show. I think that's a cool show. I think I would too, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I'd go up front for every band like I did then. No. But um man, Rob Zombie was was a great, great show. Yeah. Like he put like he had fire everywhere. You know, it was like guar. Like it was great <laughs> stuff. Um that was awesome show. Awesome show. And I think that was when um I can't remember if it was Ozzy solo or if they were doing yet another black sabbath farewell thing i think it was ozzy if i remember correctly uh and i like to tell my girlfriend my my girlfriend pearl by the way she says hello uh oh, she hi, just pearl. dropped off some chicken tacos for me because oh, nice. uh, i haven't nice. eaten since this morning make sure so, you eat them as close to the microphone as possible that, this is a real asmr i know people have been begging you in your comments for years to do more asmr and this is their chance they, they can get the chicken chew. I'll try to remember to put myself on mute. Uh, and now I've, I have two hungry dogs like hanging out with me now. So that's that's lovely. Wow. Um, um, well, I'll dig into my 1999 then for a bit. Yeah. Uh, there's not much to say. I w- became a freshman in high school, you know, different. Uh, but I the town I grew up in was so small that I the, saw the same kids through every single school. So it wasn't like a big deal. We just now we had bigger lockers. So that was cool. Mm-hmm. I started playing high school football and got just mowed down because I was kind of little when I was 14. What position did 15. you play? Uh, I played on the ground. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I basically just... <laughs> uh, well, I, I was a, considered a defensive end, but my freshman year, I really was just meat in a helmet. I had... There was nothing about me that was remotely beneficial to the football team. I was just extra practice fodder. But thankfully, when I turned 15, this is this is 2000 talk. I'm sorry to get into it, but I, I had a growth spurt and I became more of a viable 
piece of the the team. We were so small of a school, there was no like tryouts or cutouts or you know cuts. So I was going to make the team regardless, and I stuck through, boys. I stuck through it. Uh, I have the scars and bruises and PTSD to prove it. <laughs> but uh, that was you know that was essentially it. Uh, I don't remember much else. I remember. Um, I remember having a girlfriend for two months, and she broke up with me and broke my heart. I do remember that. I remember that oh. being a big deal. That was yeah. Oh no! I'll never forget Mallory. Oh, oh Mallory. Mallory. I don't oh, even what know what she's name. doing. I know, right? How dare she have such a name? Oh man! It's funny you bring that up. I had my first girlfriend in '99 too. We went to. She was part of our Ozfest clan. Uh, her name is Adriana, and I honestly. This is like I I can't remember her last name. Like I feel so awful about that. That's like my first girlfriend. I remember what she looks like. I remember her first <laughs> name. I have I could not tell you what her last name is. But but Man. anyway, you're bound um, to have like a uh, like one of those uh, contact like Rolodex like pa- uh, Palm Pilots from back then. It has her name and info <laughs> in there, right? Pilots. We haven't brought up Palm Pilots yet. Yeah, for good reason. Or mini discs. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, good. Uh, a good, a good state of the art technology back then. You know, I will say uh, w- one thing I do remember about '99. This is important. Uh, we got some semblance of internet in my home in 1999. Aha! Dial-up, uh, and uh, as you can imagine, as everyone else experienced dial-up, just just awful, just slow. Might, might as well mm-hmm. even, yep. not even had internet, but ma- mainly used it for IM instant messenger, and that was yeah. really the sort of the crux of my social experience, mostly through high school. I think my generation learned how to to socialize predominantly through written message and that's why we're so awkward and uh, depressed today so good job us <laughs> that's that's an interesting point you bring up though uh i want to ask pam that too like when did you start for both of you like it sounds like trav started in 99 but like when did you start getting like familiar with communicating with total strangers online and and all that sort of stuff um I feel like I started doing that in like, I don't know, 95, 96. I remember my first ever internet experience. Someone came to our house. They had a giant laptop. They had the internet on it. And I immediately went to an X-Files chat room. That was my first ever internet experience. <laughs> um, and awesome. then I, I, yeah, it wasn't, I probably in the next year or two after that, uh, I got into, you know, like ICQ and, you know websites and stuff so yeah that's about the around the exact same time that i got into it too we we started out with prodigy as our internet service and this would have been 95 i think i think and then um, that became yeah yeah, Mm -hmm. after that it, it prodigy became too expensive so we flipped to aol since they had like constant deals um they were always mailing out those like discs yeah. of like 100 free minutes or whatever but um yeah my i i just jumped into the metallica chat room on AOL and just like <laughs> settled in and was like well i'm here let's let's uh talk some metallica i'm not going anywhere and that nice. was uh that was that and now you're still in there you're the president right <laughs> <laughs> i do think about like cuz i do remember certain like usernames from way back in ye olden days, you know, from after, after Metallica got boring, uh, I ended up uh, going to the tool chat room uh, after that in AOL and then on the, the tool band uh, website. But I, I, I still remember like usernames and stuff like that from all the way back in like the late nineties. Isn't that stupid? Like, no, that's, you know, it's part of your formative 
part of your life. That stuff sticks, it's the most man. Useless information ever. I mean, it is weird that you don't remember your first girlfriend's last name, and you do yes, remember the exactly. Voice. I do think Thank that that's, you. you have very selective. I think memory. that would be useful because then I could remember like you know more, and maybe that would like you know cascade into other memories. But no, just yeah. stops right there. See, it's, anyway. be, it's because you didn't make like SNES drunk videos about people you dated, and that would have helped you catalog. You know, no saying. fair. That's a. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I would if I could. I didn't take enough notes yet. Uh, this person geez. is not That's worth dating one. today. Not worth dating today. I don't know. She might be, just not by me. <laughs> right? For sure. Sure. No, that's not, hey, that's a that's a fair and open minded way to look at it. Well, with that, I think I think we should jump on into gaming. I know Alex was super excited for this episode because he wouldn't stop saying to me, "Dreamcast, Dreamcast, Dreamcast, Dreamcast." Of course, it came out on nine nine ninety nine. Uh, I didn't get one, didn't know anybody that had one, so I, <laughs> the Dreamcast was a bit lost on me in its day, but Alex or, or Pam, did, uh, did did you guys have one, or did you, were you, uh, were you taken by it? Were you in on the hype? I didn't have one, but um, a friend of mine did, and what struck me about it, number one, it was the coolest looking console ever. I loved the uh, Spiral logo. I loved just the white controllers the white console it just looked so crisp and mint and it looked so much different than any other console at the time so i liked that um i love the the sheer number of games it had immediately there were 19 games on launch day hmm. and i don't think there's ever been another maybe the original nes but i don't know if there's ever been another home console that had that many games like, hmm, available to buy like the day it comes out that never happens anymore does it doesn't 19 seem like a, that seems like a fair amount yeah and then there was 30 more by the end of the year you know and that's just a few months so but then you have you know you had sonic adventure it was their big sonic title to to help lead things off and that game has some polarizing opinions i think it's fine as long as you're willing to deal with you know kind of a jank camera it's got your typical 3D platforming trappings, which is annoying, but I think it's still fine. There was also House of Dead 2, which is probably, if I had to make like a, a quick and dirty top 10 list, it's on there. House of Dead 2 is awesome. Uh, Soul Calibur. Soul Calibur is what got me so excited about the Dreamcast because it was better than the arcade. Like, as good as the arcade Soul Calibur was, like the Dreamcast one was was better. It was like it felt faster. It was more immediate. It was oh, I I played so much of that game. It was fun. Um, but yeah, nice. those those are the main ones that stick out to me personally. Nice, nice. Uh, Pam, did you did you have a history with the Dreamcast at least in 1999? I had uh, no history with the Dreamcast in 1999. I it sort of completely skipped me by. I had never really been a a, a Sega person, and mm. I I've even to this day I think I've played Power Stone. No, yeah, <laughs> on the Dreamcast, and I, I mean other things like I really like House of the Dead uh, one and two as as light gun games, but mm -hmm. I I never played them on the actual Dreamcast. Interesting. Have you played the arcade? Yeah. Yeah, House of Dead too. Uh, here's hoping that's at Magfest because I if I see that I'm playing that for at least like 45 minutes. Oh uh, yeah, they're always a little light on the light gun games, but there's usually at least uh. at least a couple. 
poorly yeah. calibrated light guns. <laughs> but but you do what you can. Yes. They feel really calibrated if you're hammered, though. Yeah, I guess so. So keep that in mind, yeah. <laughs> um, at least you won't know what to blame your failures mm-hmm. on at that point. Uh I would say for me, yeah, nobody I knew had a Dreamcast. I didn't, I heard about it. I didn't really know what it was. I was like, what is that? Dreamcast? Is like a new, it's a new thing? Wow, sounds amazing. Uh, it has like a little thing in the middle of the controller that I was like, what is that? Like a game, like a Tamagotchi right in the middle of it? <laughs> well, that's weird. I didn't really understand it. Uh, I didn't get one for years and years and years. Um, and I'm the only person I know that kind of enjoys Shenmue. I don't think it's too bad. Now, is it Shenmue or is it Shenmue? Because I've heard it pronounced both ways. Really? I was, I've I never heard that, that second way. You. I don't know. Now I, I mean, I'm, I have no idea. I don't think I've ever heard anybody else say it. I'm just been in my house saying Shinmu to myself. I have no idea. Just as a quick aside, though, about that game, uh, our friend Robert, who does the mm. classic gaming podcast, hates it. He <laughs> not only does he hate it, he has one of the all time. It's probably my favorite episode of his podcast that he's ever done where he he goes off for about like 40 straight minutes just ranting about the game (laughs) and like how it starts and how you're supposed to find a black car Mm -hmm. and how bad the dialogue is and it's just it's it's a it makes me laugh i've listened to it at least three or four times it's really funny uh you can hear him get more frustrated the more he talks (laughs) which is always a joy uh, so yeah, uh, play Shenmue <laughs> if you want to get really frustrated. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I don't think his opinions are off base. I enjoy, I, I like when a game has like the rough edges of bad translation. Like it tickled me the whole way through. <laughs> and plus there's just kids running up to you in the middle of the street asking you to wrestle them, which is just hilarious to me. <laughs> so there's a lot, yeah. to, there's a lot to love and a lot to hate. But in the end, I, I just think it's a really interesting experience. Um, well, enough of the Dreamcast. We've Dreamcasted, uh, PlayStation. Uh, it's pretty hot around 1999, still going strong. Um, mm-hmm. Looking at the list here, I think the only one that I would have played in the day would have been Legacy of Kane Soul Reaver that we have listed here. I think I rented that and played it. Uh, I thought it was pretty cool. But uh, what about you guys? What were your PlayStation experiences? Yeah, Legacy of Kane Soul Reaver is one of those games that everybody had. I don't know if that game was just cheaper or something but it seemed like everybody had played it everybody had at least rented it or something like that but that's one of those games that was everywhere and uh the game really the only playstation game that i can remember playing at the time was final fantasy 8 and um it was one of those deals where you just like show up at someone's house hey how's it going and you see they're playing final fantasy 8 and you know it's wherever it is in the game and i just watch for the next 30 40 minutes and i'm just like really this is the sequel to final fantasy 7 it's all this like mewling emotional teenager like this is this is so bad that's all i kept thinking was like okay the battles look cool but like this these scenes are just yuck like this is just bad like how can this be but yeah it looks and the game looked incredible for the time especially but I was not exactly thrilled with uh, Final Fantasy VIII, not then or now. Mm. Mm. All right, strong take, strong take. Pam, PlayStation? Yeah, I was big into PlayStation at this time, and after loving Final Fantasy VII so much, I definitely would have had Final Fantasy VIII sort of 
as it came out in 1999. I enjoyed it, not as much as Final Fantasy VII, um, particularly that that draw system for the magic. Didn't care for that, but I enjoyed the uh, the sort of high school setting and the idea of your you're these kind of mercenaries going around doing different little missions and things. So I really liked that one. Another JRPG, since I was super into those at this point, was Legend of Dragoon. Was mm. also came oh. out, which was a cool one with an interesting sort of timing based combat system, and your characters can like sort of morph into these stronger, uh, stronger versions of themselves, which was pretty neat. Nice, that is a good one. Yeah, that's one I've been meaning to get into for a long time. Um, is that a long game? Is it like twenty hours, forty no. hours? I'd Probably say closer to. 40 to 60, 60 yeah. 40 to yeah. 60. Really? It's one of those like long-ass ones? Mm-hmm. Back to the list it goes. <laughs> you got to play the long I get time for that. Yeah, I guess. I'm with you on that. Um, some of the ones that we have listed here that came out in 99, Silent Hill, which I played years later on some remake uh, version. Uh, Resident Evil 3 Nemesis, again, I played that in some remake form. Um, but those are good, uh, spooky games. I can't imagine playing them on the PlayStation just because of the fidelity <laughs> of uh, polygonal puberty in the day. But uh, I do like the <laughs> polygonal pure puberty. Yeah, I think I stole oh that from goodness. you. I mean, I appreciate you laughing. I, I did not come up with polygonal puberty. I said that's when the video game industry seemed to be going with through puberty, hmm. and you you just summarized it with polygonal puberty. So that's all you. I'm gonna say it's tag team effort on that. I think it's tag team tag effort. Tag team effort. All Jump right, friend, back again. We've done it. And then Ape Escape. Uh, that's a that's a fantastic game that's often overlooked, but also the first game to use the uh, dual shot controller, which is pretty cool. I did. Not, that's a good bit of trivia there. I did good not bit. know that. That's right. That's right. Uh, so that was the PlayStation. A lot of big standout games there, especially if you're into survival horror or uh, RPGs. But then also the Nintendo 64 is uh, it, it's still around. Uh, it's it's really on the decline hard uh, at this point. But there are really there's some good games that come out in 1999, especially first party Nintendo stuff. And there's also rumors of that fantastical 64 DD, the the disc Nintendo 64. It's being featured in magazines and and all this stuff. We're all getting excited about what that might be. Alex, did you? I know you were too cool for school for the Nintendo 64, but do you have any affinity for the games that we have listed here? Yeah, Road Rash 64, big time. Um, that is by far my favorite N64 game of all time. When I first played that, I was like, "Holy shit!" I I can't remember laughing this hard playing a video <laughs> game since since Paperboy for NES. Um, it's a great time. Like guys go, it's a great blend between like, you know. I don't want to say realistic physics, but, you know, you're a bunch of dudes, like, you know, beating each other up on bikes. But when a guy finally gets gets clobbered enough times, he goes flying in this, like, Looney Tunes style <laughs> way. And it's it's never not hilarious because he always has, like, a, a sound that goes with it that's like, whoa. Uh, uh. <laughs> it's it's great. It's so much. It's such a fun game. You did a video on it, didn't you? Yeah, um, a few years ago. There's also cops that come after you and try and uh, ruin the race for you. And what you can do is you can use your weapons to, like, kind of wreck them, too. And you get bonus points for wrecking cops on bikes. So it's it's freaking hilarious. It's it's one of the funniest games ever. I always have a blast playing it to this day. So, yeah, I I love that one. Um, Stuff like Mario Party or Smash, the first Smash game or... 
anything like that i wasn't really paying attention to but uh road rash 64 is my jam still jam. is yeah nice i never was uh into the smash smash bros thing i tried to dabble with it one time just to see what the hubbub was and i was like i don't think it's for me i don't yeah i've always been bad at it <laughs> i've yeah I, i've always it never agreed with me for some reason i don't really and I hate to admit this, like, I don't know, 30 years later, I still don't understand how it works. Like, there's, like, <laughs> there's like numbers, and, like, you could go over percentages, and people are flying everywhere, and I'm like, did I do good or bad? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not like Street Fighter 2. That's all I know. Yeah, <laughs> definitely not. Uh, Pam, Pam, anything about uh, the N64 from 99 that uh, so excites I, you? I think I might have actually gotten my n64 in 1999 because mm. i was always i always tended to be a little bit behind the times and mm. i remember all of my friends were just playing uh goldeneye multiplayer and i really wanted to play goldeneye single player and i could never do it at other people's houses so i specifically got an n64 to play goldeneye by myself mm. and i'm <laughs> fairly certain i got a pack a, a version with pod racer packed in oh okay so that was my one 1999 n64 game which i actually ended up playing a lot of and i just did uh played the re-release not that long ago and it's much less interesting than i remember it being <laughs> <laughs> i've heard people say that yeah yeah like uh. i thought it was pretty fun in 1999 but not so much today yeah, that's... I like how you you were seriously just like screw you guys. I'm gonna get my own golden eye <laughs> yeah. and I'm gonna play it at home. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I would have done it. Uh, Mario Golf also that year. It's a, it's a good version of that. Yeah, uh, Mario Golf kicked off a um, a golf empire. Uh, <laughs> as I, and I love every Mario Golf game. So yeah, I, I I didn't play that one at the time, but I've gotten to like it later on. Yeah. And we have a, a, a miscellaneous section here called Others, where a lot of the PC games are here. And I'll skip to, uh, it was, 99 was also the year that the Tony Hawk Pro Skater franchise got kicked off. And I remember that just being like super massive to basically anyone but me, because I had no no bone in my body that was interested in skating. But that was like a huge, huge deal amongst p kids in the school. Like Tony Hawk Pro yeah. Skater was like massive. Absolutely. Because it was the first of its kind. It was, you never saw a, uh, like what were the skateboarding games up up until then like skate or die skate or die 2 like <laughs> yeah. it was it was completely different and not only that it was done really well so it was uh especially the second game which came a couple of years later i don't even really remember the first game very well but yeah it was i mean it was one of those cases where it was a huge deal but it was well earned cuz yeah. it's really good and those things reported to everything uh, yeah, Game Boy, any handheld, any console, Gamecom. all over Gamecom. Gamecom didn't have one actually. Gah, we were left out. Uh, us Gamecom, Wonder Swan, <laughs> maybe. I think Pam. I think uh, when I think of you, a lot of times I associate you with sort of classic PC games and classic being, I guess, anything before 2005 mm -hmm. at this point. Um, what are some of the games from '99 that you remember in the PC? landscape and the biggest one was planescape torment which is one of my favorite games of all time it's sort of based on a specific campaign setting within dungeons and dragons and it's just sort of like the isometric 
RPG, but very, very story and character heavy. So there, you know, there is, there is the combat, but it's mostly about making decisions, learning more about your character, developing it, and like just exploring this really strange setting. Nice. Is it one that you've played multiple times or is it so thick that it's kind of like a one and done? I've played it multiple times. I, I played it, uh, for the first time, I probably a few years after it came out, but I've gone back to it. Probably yeah. finished it maybe three times over the years. Wow, I'm always impressed when people can't have like the patience to go back and revisit a game, even if they love it. That has that much to it. I mean, I guess that's that says a lot about how good it is. But for mm -hmm. me, it's like, man, I just know I would start it and like get the like the itch would be scratched within a couple hours, and I would I would mm -hmm. walk away from it. But sticking through, power to you. Pam, I remember you having some sort of like countdown video or something where you named Planescape Torment like your number one. I don't know if it was like a horror game or just your personal favorite or. Yeah, that was just my top RPG. 100 ever. Yeah. Yeah. So like no joke, like <laughs> <laughs> this is this is the game for you. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Wow. It, it is pretty cool because I was looking at this list and like this year has like my favorite game of all time. But other than that, it's like, meh, just an okay year for video games <laughs> for me. It really anyway, is. It, like, no, I agree. I think it's kind of, kind of light. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, there are some, you know, the Silent Hill franchise gets kicked off and, you know, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of like good franchise setters here, but I think... Yeah. I think it was just like kind of a rough time for gaming. We're, again, we're still in polygonal, polygonal puberty, so a lot of things didn't survive. They were hot <laughs> well, at the time, but they didn't, you know, after 2004, no one would go back and touch these things. Mm -hmm. This is this is when uh, I remember in being in high school and reading all about the PlayStation 2 or reading about like what Nintendo was going to do next, if they were going to do anything next. Um, or if they were just going to stick to games. Re and uh, the Dreamcast kind of kicked that off. So it's like, okay, the Dreamcast is out. Now what's PlayStation going to do? So at that point, it was like, okay, PlayStation's old stuff. What, what about what's coming next? And it, I guess, did PlayStation 2 come out in 2000 or 2001? I can't remember. But um, that's all anybody, or not anybody, but th that's all me and you know my circle of people cared about was like, what's coming next at this point? And is it going to be any good? Yeah, PlayStation Two was uh, came to the North America in October of two thousand, so we're about a year. Oh, away. right on. Yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, well, also that year, uh, Age of Empires Two came out. I played that with cheat codes. Got the race car on the map. Just silly <laughs> shit. That was fun. <laughs> really? Uh, I forgot all about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I never. I've never played that game legitimately. I'm sure it's great fun, <laughs> but I have to break it when I play it for old times' yeah, sake. Yeah, it's pretty. Even for even for a real time strategy, it's it's it can be slow. I like it because it's it's somewhat fast. Mm. Like you can get most games done in like fifty minutes to an hour. Like one versus one games done in you know that quick. Unless the other guy is like super overpowered and knows exactly what they're doing, then it's over in like fifteen minutes. But uh, yeah, I love Age of Empires too. Not as good as Age of Mythology for my money, but uh, I still spend a ton of time with that game. There's also Homeworld. Uh, I, I I knew that's Homeworld and EverQuest. Like I knew those two were both like mega popular, but I've barely played either. Did either of you play those? No, are those I'm, both MMOs or? Oh no, Homeworld's a strategy game. 
Yeah, Homeworld is like one of those like big complicated strategy games. EverQuest was one of the first uh massive role player games mm-hmm. online. Um I, I knew somebody that, from tech I'd... school that got yeah. like seriously addicted to that game and needed to like therapy over it. <laughs> it Jesus. was it was pretty bad. Yikes. But uh but yeah, EverQuest was a big deal for a while. Uh I don't think it is anymore, but um yeah, that was 99. Interesting, yeah. And then to uh, to close it out here on video games, there there was a uh, a bevy of handheld consoles to come out. Now, of course, the Game Boy Color comes out in 1999, and that's obviously top of the list. Um, but we also get things like the Neo Geo Pocket Color, which if you have an analog pocket, you can you can play some of those. Also, the Wonder Swan kicking it off in 1999. Just uh, man, what a what a fantastic piece of hardware. I'm sure that is. I don't know. I've never seen one. <laughs> banger year i remember uh my roommate in, co- in uh, tech school got a neo geo pocket color and that thing was awesome it yeah. was way better than the Game Boy color yeah there were versions of uh fighting games i remember uh he had a version of i, I can't remember if it was fatal fury or samurai showdown one of those like snk fighting games and i was like holy crap this has no business being this good on this hmm. tiny little thing it's 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 very good um but I, anytime I, excuse me, anytime I borrowed it from him, um, like if I was, I had to sit through like an economics class or something and I was like, Hey, can I, can I snag this? I'll bring it back. He's like, yeah, I'd usually grab, uh, puzzle games. There is usually one of those like card fighter games, like street fighter two card games. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? I've seen them around, never played one. Yeah, I I still don't know the rules or how it works, but it was it was interesting to look at at the very least. And um, it was that, and it was a uh, bus to move, otherwise known as Puzzle Bobble. Yeah, that, and those I would just play the, those two games back and forth like through class, nice like, the whole time. I just so. played Bus to Move and Bus to Move Two this week on my N sixty four. So addictive, so <laughs> addictive. All right. Uh, I guess that's going to wrap up games, unless we've got any final words before we move into music, which prior to recording, Alex has already let me know that uh, the 1999 selection of music was ass. Oh, so no. uh, are you ready for that? Just the songs. The, the, the <laughs> songs that Trav has listed here are the worst group of songs. I, I, I couldn't sit down and pick a worse group of songs. This oh, is on. so bad. That's a top 10 on TRL. That's one episode of TRL, man. Oh, my God. All the way really? down the list. Cher was on TRL? Really? She was. I remember that video. Do you believe in love after love? <laughs> dude, heck yeah, dude. I bust that out at karaoke without the backing that, track. <laughs> yeah, no. I can feel something inside my side. Nailed it. Just so good at it. Nailed it. You did. I know. I'm going to work in some Hetfield. Dude, can we get a sheer Hetfield uh, duet? I guess we are having one now, huh? Okay. (laughs) Uh, Sorry about that. (laughs) Uh, It's all good. So music, um, albums, the top one you have listed here, Alex, I'm a huge fan of. Nine Inch Nails, The Fragile. Uh, Two-disc set, uh, or two, yeah, I guess it was. Um, yeah, t- tons of, I mean, not to me, not a skip on on either side, I, any of the four sides. It, it was it's so good. Um, yeah, the reason I, I that's the first thing I thought of for '99 because that was kind of like the ray of hope for me for, for popular music because it was just me listening to weird stuff like Typo Negative and Mr. Bungle and 
and you know just trying to find like my niche of of stuff that i liked and nine inch nails uh the region that the reason that the fragile was such a big deal is because it it had marked five years since downward spiral came out and that was such like a huge like landscape changing album like what's he gonna do next who knows what's it gonna be like is it gonna be more of the same is it how different is it gonna be so when that came out that was like a big event so that was cool Mm -hmm. um and i still i admit being kind of disappointed in it at the time and finding it kind of boring because there's a lot of instrumental stuff on it and but now it uh after seeing what what uh trent reznor has done with his career as an arranger and Mm -hmm. he does a lot of soundtracks and stuff like that it's like those are part part of the you know the foundation that that laid that. So it's kind of cool to go back and and hear some of that stuff. Mm. Um, I don't really like the singles. I don't like his voice a whole lot, to be honest with you. It's very nasally and whiny. I, I've never really liked his voice, but I've always liked his arrangements and the stuff he comes up with and the sounds he comes up with. So mm-hmm. that that's that's a good one. I I be honest, I haven't heard the fragile in I don't know ten years. 15 years it's been a really long time since i've listened to that so time to get back in it's 1999 you i guess party. so you gotta yeah party. any any other thoughts on that one from anybody um in terms of the actual albums like the fragile i isn't one of my favorite nine inch nails but i also didn't get into nine inch nails until like much later in my life uh the only actual one that really sticks out is the Slim Shady LP, which was just mm. sort of everywhere. That's massive. Um, it was. But yeah, that was probably the one that in the moment of 1999 that I, I listened to the most or heard the yeah. most, whether I was actually putting it on <laughs> or not. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. What you got, Trev? What were you into? Uh, I remember being uh, inundated with that Californication album and like the 12 singles that came off of that um, Mm. to the point that I was pretty sick of that. (laughs) Uh, And I'm not a Red Hot Chili Peppers hater. I know that there's a lot of people that are like, ooh, the peppers. uh, uh, uh." I mean, they got time and place for me. me. You are one of them. And then all of my other friends are also very, uh, very. Well, maybe he shouldn't sing like Kermit the Frog and maybe they'd have more fans listen to you ever you don't love the muppets is that what i'm hearing now you got a thing against no, I, Jim I, Henson? Don't, I i love the muppets i don't love them singing s- songs about scar tissue and ah, oh, dude uh, i love when kermit gets real dude scar tissue in the beans like dude, dude no like no stop stop not not you trap i mean anthony kiedis anthony just, kiedis just and kermit are one and i love it <laughs> uh and dr dre's 2001 Two years early, but it was good. It made me wish for the old days of Yo MTV raps and stuff like that with Dr. Dre and the other Dr. Dre and Ed Lover. And mm. I was sad that that really wasn't around anymore, so I couldn't get my, my uh, hip-hop fill that way. But, um, yeah, I remember that being a massive deal. And the Eminem Slim Shady LP, of course, like Pam said, is was yeah. was everywhere. Uh, massively popular. So, yeah. Yeah, and that year we also get... Uh, I guess it was Korn's follow-up to Follow the Leader, which was Issues, which wasn't as good, in my opinion, but it existed. Uh, I I do remember getting the CD DMX, and then there was X, and having to hide it from my mom, because I (laughs) I knew she would be be like, what's going on? You're only 14. You're not allowed to listen to things that have curse words in it. So I remember that being a big deal. Uh, And then the rest of the other two here, I think, are just specifically you, Alex. Oh, yeah. Uh, Typo Negative World Coming Down. Um, 
that came out in 99 and that was also the first year i saw typo negative live uh with my girlfriend at the time um that was a lot of fun so those guys are kind of larger than life in a very strange way peter Steele is like a legit six foot six he looks like a vampire he plays bass guitar and his and his guitar strap is a chain <laughs> like it, it's a vibe like it's it's these guys aren't faking it like they are they, they're awesome live they're so cool um so i was really into that at the time um and then mr bungle california which is a very strange album that i'm not even sure how to describe it's mike Patton's. uh I, I would call it a side project but it was his band before he was the singer of faith no more so it was really faith no more as a side project to <laughs> mr bungle in a way but yeah, it's just kind of weird, strange music that uh, is that just you know made sense to my brain at the time. Cool. And I don't know that I've heard much off of uh, Mr. Bungle California, but uh, I bet it's I bet it's nowhere near as good as Californication. That's all I'm going to say. California, what? Californication. What, what are we doing here? What are we doing? <laughs> By the way, since you mentioned the the album that you had to hide from your mom, yeah. I, I do have to, we've all had those, al- or at least uh, me and Trav have. Pam, have you ever had an album that you felt like you had to hide from your parents because mm. you were afraid that no. they might My mom take it away? let me do and watch and listen to whatever I wanted to do. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. You're lucky. <laughs> See, I, my example is I was a major prude, so um, I really love the band Roxette. And um, I might have explained this before, but uh, or told this story before, but... Um, um i i was really excited about the band rock set i really wanted to get an, a tape from them a cassette tape um and i had saved a little bit of money uh i think it was like nine or ten dollars and i went to target to get um i think it was rock set look sharp um and the first song on that one is she's got the look oh so i was good. like yeah this is awesome and then I'm going through like the liner notes within the cassette itself and there's a picture of the singer wearing just a bra and immediately like my face goes white and I'm like, nobody can ever see this. I'm going to hide this in my closet and nobody will ever know I own this. This is it. I'm not even going to listen to this very much anymore because I don't want anybody to know that I have a picture of a girl with a bra and it's in my closet and, you know, is oh. <laughs> I, I can really, I guess that's different with them. What, what Trav was describing, but still. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's always I'm, funny that the, the the kind of desperation that comes up the 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 feeling of oh no what am i gonna do i'm gonna have to hide this and in retrospect it's like wow that was dumb yeah dude like the third page of lyrics were dmx is in a bra i was like no way mom's gonna have a (laughs) shit fit if she sees it Uh, walked right into that one nah 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 i that rock set song uh that you're talking about so good she's got she's got the look she's got the look so good. You know who has the look? Cher. Cher's Believe came out that year. The reemergence. Uh, all over TRL, along with TLC's Ugh. No Scrubs. I think that was number one for like almost six months. Uh, everyone was singing it. I didn't even, I still, I mean, at the, I didn't know what a scrub was. I was like, what is she talking about? I don't understand the definition of this lingo. Like, what is this? She don't want no scrubs. Like hospital scrubs? That's what, you know, I was kind of thinking that. I'm like, you don't know scrubbing bubbles? <laughs> like, you're not cleaning your bathrooms? <laughs> Scrub is a guy who thinks he's fly. Like, come on. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. She does define it like in the next line. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, but no, I remember that being a big thing. Britney Spears, uh, this was the 
This was the year. Hit me, baby, one more time. Or I didn't realize the song was just called Ellipsis's Baby One More Time. I did not know that until today. <laughs> yep. On MTV. That's basically what made me stop watching what? at that point. I, I used to be all about MTV. If you've listened to any of the podcasts before mm-hmm. this, all I talk about is how much I, MTV I watch. Once they started leaning into like the boy band stuff, the Britney Spears, Ricky Martin, and like they were already struggling to play videos, you know, mm-hmm. as it was. They they wanted to lean into their original content, like the real world and road rules and whatever else. Now that those were the videos that they were playing, and there was like no rock stuff at all, I'm like, all right, well, I guess that's it. So yeah, that was I was basically finished after that. This but. was my my prime music video time. Like we didn't have MTV, we had much music here in Canada, but this is like yeah. all these songs is like, oh yeah, this is what I've seen and heard a million times. I remember when the Britney Spears uh, "Baby One More Time" first came out, and I was over at my boyfriend's house, whose first and last name I do remember, um, <laughs> and being a kind of insecure you know teenage mm-hmm. girl he came on and he's like who is that she's so hot and i was immediately like i hate her now i think britney <laughs> spears is pretty cool but <laughs> i remember being in my uh my buddy's basement because we uh we both played football together and i think it was during like summer camp and we both go back to his house until his dad got home to take me home because at 14 i still wasn't old enough to drive but i was old enough to get obliterated in football practice weird <laughs> but um I remember that video come on and I don't think either of us said a word for the entire thing. We just just looked on confused, like uncomfortable that we were having this experience with each other. <laughs> Dude, um, do you wanna you wanna play um you wanna play Nintendo now or something? <laughs> because uh we were both quite enamored with Mrs. Spears and of course uh, Christina mm. Aguilera also that your genie in a bottle. Gotta let her out. She's in there. Ricky Martin's Living La Vida Loca. I would be happy if I never had to hear that song again. That was uh that was a rough yeah. one for me. I wasn't a fan. That was a rough one, yeah. Well, fancy me and you in a podcast like this. My name is Captain Drachma and I'm one of the co-hosts of Indie Quest. On this show, we dive into the amazing worlds of indie video games and attempt to determine where they rank on our own rating system, something we call the Quest Log. If that sounds like something that might trip your trigger, join me and my co-host Blinkin' Frantic on our adventure. You can find IndieQuest wherever podcasts are heard and on polymedianetwork.com, the best website on the internet. Going back to Christina Aguilera a little bit, did you guys think that she was just a hanger-on at the time? Like, oh, look, here's Britney Spears, this young blonde woman who has a hit single and a certain look. Let's get another young blonde woman with a certain look. And it's it felt manufactured to me. Did you guys feel the same way? I did feel like she was a little bit of a, a lesser Britney Spears, yeah. which I now like she's... don't feel that way. But yeah, and especially yeah. learning that they were all in like the Mickey Mouse Club or whatever. And, mm. you know, it... it's like Christina Aguilera was like the Amazon essentials of, of version of Britney <laughs> Spears. It's or, or like the Kirkland, like the Costco version. And it's like, why? Why am I watching this? Like, why can't I get the, the original? But yeah. 
Yeah, what you need is some high quality stuff like Limp Biscuit. That's what you needed, you know? No more <laughs> You of saw your... them live not too long ago. <laughs> I did, and they played Nookie, and you know what? I had a good time. I'm not afraid to admit it. It was pretty it was pretty fun. You don't have to that's not something to admit. You can have a good time at Limp Biscuit. I had a good time. Thankfully though, <laughs> thankfully, now Limp and I've already made it clear that I did see Limp Biscuit live. I've I've come out. I'm I've it's in the open. Okay, we can all deal with it. I, thankfully, I've never seen Creed live because I'm not a huge Creed fan. But that was the year that that song "Higher" came out, which was transcended them to stardom and and then eventually hate uh, shortly thereafter. Well, I, I I don't know if there's a proper term for Creed. What is it like douche rock or something like that? <laughs> I think, yeah, it's, I think it's that's... pretty bad. Like there, it's that song is. I dare anybody to just like sit through that whole song. Weren't they Christian and rock or is that someone else? I think it was intended to be. It had kind of Christian rock sensibilities, but it was you know edgy enough to not quite be you know featured in like a Jim Jim Dobson magazine or anything like that. <laughs> it was uh, it was enough. There was enough there, but it was just so lame. And the singer is Scott Stapp is like he's the worst. So over the top with like the open shirt and the 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 undershirt <laughs> underneath and the hair and the grease and the tan and he looks like he smells bad. He, does, and it's he just, probably does. And it's it's just like, what are you guys doing? I, I don't know. I I could not comprehend like what was going on there. It was like, is this hair metal? Is that what this is? This is hair metal re- reinvigorated like twenty years later. It was like I don't know. Christian rock wearing Pearl Jam's pants. That's <laughs> all it was, and people loved it, and I wasn't quite into it. Uh, I did like Blink 182's "What What's My Age Again." Shout out to our pal Blink, who uh, named everything on the internet that he's ever been a part of after this band that he loves so much. So Blink 182, there you go. Right on. Uh, "Lit My Own Worst Enemy," my one of my favorite songs to karaoke. So good. Uh, when I was briefly in a band for like a week, we played this, and the lead singer got drunk and forgot all the words. I'm like, how do you forget all the words to this song? This freaking song. It, Wait, you were in a band? What did you play? Bass. I had a chain around my neck. It was great. Wow. Nice. No, I didn't. I didn't. I was riffing on what you said earlier. But no, uh, we we were good musicians, but our singer um, very often would just read lyrics from his phone. So uh, that was not, <laughs> not as good. From his flip phone? Yeah. Yeah, actually. Yeah, just opening up the old Nokia and flipping it. it the band wasn't from 1999. Uh, the band was later. We, we were covering it. some lit. We were pretty yeah, good. But still, I, I still imagined, even though we're stuck in 99 right now, mm-hmm. I still imagine a flip phone for some reason. He's got somebody T9 texting him the lyrics as he's singing them. Yeah. <laughs> That's really funny. And then we can't forget Lou Bega's Mambo Number no. 5, which is just oh, yes, we can. a list of women's names for five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I did get excited, though, because very rarely do people integrate the name Rita, and that was my mom's name. And I was like, ah, oh, shit, mom, there are your names in, in this song. And then I realized the song's about all the women that he banged. I was like, forget what I said, mom. It's <laughs> different. It's a different song. I was excited. I was that. always upset he didn't work in some old-timey names like Gertrude or, you know. A little like bit of Betsy. Gertrude in my life. We apologize to all the Gertrudes listening. You have a great name. Yeah. It's fantastic. Or, name. You know, some some of the ye olden names, which I, I always enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Time for movies. Not a bad list of movies here. Uh, I think everyone remembers Fight Club. I was I was quite fond of the movie. I haven't seen it in a while, but I'm sure I would probably still like it. it it's very 1999, obviously based on a book. 
yeah, I didn't see Fight Club until well until a couple of years after, and yeah, it was pretty shocking. Like mm-hmm. the especially the end with you know, spoiler alert, all the buildings collapsing and all that sort of stuff. But <gasps> yeah, uh, yeah, that was that was pretty entertaining, pretty interesting for the time, especially for the time. I can't imagine seeing it in '99. That would have been crazy. But yeah, and I have not seen it since then. So yeah, and most people in '99 misinterpreted it a lot like thinking like oh tyler durden he's this real cool guy it's like that's that, that wasn't the point <laughs> that's not the point yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was very sexy though oh my he God. was he was it's hard <laughs> to to not like him the epitome of cool uh the sixth sense don't spoil it alex gosh but all the buildings fall at the end Oh, all the buildings fall. Oh, the go- okay. Well, now you spoiled it. Yeah, I I liked that movie. Yeah. Did you guys like it when you first saw it? I did. Yeah, I thought it was pretty I good. I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was fun. I, I, I who would have thought that the writer of that movie would go on such an ego trip that he would completely try and repeat the same formula over and over and lead to great moments like that movie about the trees. He would always. Sometimes Wal- he would get me in the first half, and then I'd be like, God damn it! I know where this is going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's the problem mm-hmm. is you always know where it's going. And then he did that horrible Avatar movie. Ugh, I'm sorry to dwell in the negative on all these, but it's where my mind goes. You seem like a know. happy guy and, and well adjusted. <laughs> Clearly, you're you're emotionally stable. Blame that's the 98 fine. Vikings. It's their fault. <laughs> it, you were fine up until then. then. Yeah, yeah. The six. I mean, who would have thought that the opening scene would have uh, told us what the end of the movie was all about? Who would have thought? Mm. Um, the Matrix. Oh, that was huge. Yeah. Matrix was so yeah. huge. Remember seeing that in theater? That was amazing. Yeah, it's funny how I don't remember if Phantom Menace came out before or after The Matrix, but the the special effects in The Matrix just blew out Phantom Menace, like just destroyed oh, yeah. that movie. Mm-hmm. Like that movie was number one. It was way cooler because of all the, you know, everybody's wearing black and trench coats and guns and stuff like that, and that's that was just the style at the time. It was fun, but just the as the effect i always think of is when i think it's trinity is hanging from the rope from the off of a helicopter and she bounces off that building oh yeah just like the and there's ripple. a <laughs> yeah there's a ripple effect and i'm in the I, i'm like holy shit i've never seen anything like that before and yeah phantom menace you ain't got jack on that cuz i think the matrix holds up really well too i think i not really well, but it's it's rewatchable. I think it's mm-hmm. I think you can go back and watch it no problem today. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. The the uh, the special effects hold up. The story holds up. Everything is is still pretty good. Just forget that the rest were made and forget. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't. I still haven't seen the third one or whatever they did recently. So uh, maybe I'm just. Happier. I haven't seen the third one either. I walked out of the second one. It was so bad. Isn't that the one with like, uh, you know what? We don't have to get into it. Um, we, there's other uh, <laughs> movies listed here. I'm just going to, you know, so that we don't linger on each one here. I'm just going to jump around to like the next one that I enjoyed, which was Office Space. That It was uh, a movie that I think I watched it the first time and I just, it didn't land. I think people had talked it up too much to me when I saw it. I was like, okay, well, well whatever. But then not, you know, shortly thereafter, and I'm, again, I'm only 14, so I don't have a feel for like office culture, or what life is like. So I don't get a lot of it. But um, I it really started to to land with me at some point, and then I realized like the soundtrack is amazing. 
You mean like the actual soundtrack, like Ghetto Boys and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, that was like the <laughs> the thing that got me to like kind of give the movie another shot because people were yeah. uh, sharing it with me. So, yeah, the Ghetto Boys, damn it, feels good to be a gangster, man. And uh, yep. that's a formative track for me, let me tell you. We actually just, wa- Pearl and I just watched Office Space literally like three days ago. And every it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Just crack up laughing every time. Uh, Lumberg is so per- not only perfectly cast, but he's perfectly dressed. Where he's got the tacky, like flowery tie with the matching suspenders, and he's got the floral shirt with the white collar, uh, pleated slat. Like he looks like the biggest douchebag you've ever seen in your life, mm-hmm. and it's like they nailed. That's my favorite. It's like I always have a new favorite thing every time I watch that movie, and like that's my new favorite thing is they dressed up. Lumberg to look like a clown because <laughs> I've I've worked for people that dress li- exactly like that with the white stupid mm-hmm. white collar with a purple shirt it's like god you look ridiculous but yeah it's uh that that's one of my all-time favorites and it's in my short list of movies I think you can watch till the end of time and it will still hold up yeah even with some of the, like you know it references like fax machines and printers and all that stuff like I think it's still still is sort of a linchpin of of office culture that we can all still works rally we around. still have yeah. we still have printers that we need to i work at a school so we still have to print official and unofficial transcripts on printers and they f- screw up and pc load letter the hell is that and we get those same <laughs> messages and it's all you can think about is office space i think my favorite character in that movie is uh i can't remember the guy's name in the movie but diedrich bader plays him um Oh, the neighbor. The yeah. neighbor. Damn, that guy. I just love when he's on screen. It's it's awesome. Fucking a man. <laughs> uh, all right, somebody else take one. Um, I liked being John Malkovich. Uh, I went and saw that movie by myself in 1999. Uh, it was the week it came out. I thought it looked incredibly strange. Uh, nobody else wanted to go with me, so it's like <laughs> screw it. I'll go by myself to Roseville, whatever it's called. No other seventeen-year-olds um, wanted to go see being John Malkovich with you. I, I yeah, and I I loved that movie to the point where it became a project of mine in tech school. We had um, I was in a video editing class and I, we had to make a uh, a trailer for a movie. So I bought the movie on DVD and made a trailer for being John Malkovich. That was about ninety seconds long, I think, and that was like my first big project and. So that's yeah, cool. and that movie just lended itself perfectly for it. So I, and plus the movie is just flat out freaking insane. If you haven't seen it, go see it because it is it's such a trip. It's so much fun. It's one of the funniest movies ever. Um, it's a Spike Jones movie too. Yeah, he's the guy that before that was directing videos for the Beastie Boys. He did the Sabotage video. Uh, he did that video for the the band. Uh, I can't remember the name of the band. But it's just a guy running in slow motion and the guy's on fire. It's like a slow reveal and you see the guy's running because he's on fire. And it's like, wow. that's pretty cool, I guess. That's cool. But uh, yeah, it's I love being John Malkovich. That's a memory I'll always enjoy. Is Who doesn't uh, love John Malkovich? He's yeah. hilarious. <laughs> yeah. So 99 was a banger year for movies where it was yeah. kind of mediocre for games. But uh, the Blair Witch Project was a big one that I got super into yes. just during the initial marketing campaign to it. It was kind of one of the first like 
viral mm-hmm. marketing things where they were putting out all this stuff like all oh, these kids went out in the forest and they disappeared and you didn't know it was like is this for real is this are these actors so i got like super into looking up everything that i could about it before it actually came out and uh yeah then remember actually going to see it in the theater and being slightly disappointed but still finding it a uh, pretty solid horror movie what'd you find disappointing about it just that it wasn't as scary as you thought yeah i guess i thought it'd be more scary just the sort of shaky cam and everything mm-hmm. wasn't my favorite thing but i see yeah, I, I think it's still a solid movie but I, it just there was so much hype going yeah. up to yes. it so yeah and that can be problematic uh my girlfriend pearl had never seen the blair witch project until this past summer and and it's be the reason why is because of all the hype like you just said like it was there was so much information out there but at the same time it was all like uh all all that that stuff that led up to the movie kind of got buried by like oh this movie's not even that good it had all that stuff and it didn't even matter blah 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 can we believe we all fell for that and that sort of thing well pearl watched it with like being however many years removed from the initial hype and she loved it and she loves horror movies like of all kinds and she loved it to the point that when we went to bed that night uh when we woke up the next morning uh i usually end up like kind of unconsciously like crack my knuckles Mm -hmm. like on my hands and i can crack my toes and stuff like that but i was cracking my knuckles and pearl told me later in the day she's like i heard you cracking your knuckles and in my dream those were like snapping twigs (laughs) because i was lost in the woods in this dream like the blair witch was coming to get me and so you you're you're cracking your knuckles like immersed me into my dream even more i was like oh you're welcome (laughs) dang but yeah that was that was that i thought that was a really cool bit of uh uh of fandom there i guess is what else would you call it that was really really cool i i think that movie is has held up really well i think if you watch it today i think it's still really good i think if anything it's gotten better with age because of that technology that video technology has gotten kind of old and musty Mm. uh and weird and it's taken on a different quality whereas back then when it was new it was like oh this is just like a home camera that you know my neighbor has or whoever has so i think i think time is working with that movie interesting if that makes sense i haven't seen it in many many years but i remember when i watched it i was it might have been around the time it came out and i watched it with my cousin like daylight in a house on a small TV and was still scared shitless by it. But we both kind of bought into it. And he's like, man, I bet that's a place in, in I think it's in Maryland. We should go. We should go. I'm like, we're 14. Yeah. We can't was go it, to wasn't Maryland. Wasn't it supposedly a real place in like Pennsylvania or I something? I think Maryland. Like that? Yeah. And I, but I don't Maryland? think it, okay. I think it, I don't think it's a real place, but uh, it, they made it seem like it. And so internet early days. So, you know, it's not, yeah. even though the information ages upon us, it's still not just so easy to Google the answer. <laughs> Or Alta Vista, the answer. Alta Vista. <laughs> I, it was scary. I need to go back and watch it. You said it holds up pretty well. Another movie that was uh, super scary, uh, Star Wars Episode One: Phantom Menace. Oh, Man. my God. <laughs> I skipped school for that movie, and it was your classic. It was probably, yeah, 
no, Metallica was the first instance of this, but it was the same feeling of like walking out of an experience and being like, that was good, right? <laughs> I think. I felt was that the same good? Way. Was I felt that like bad? I, was supposed to I like have it. no idea. Yeah. Someone tell me that was good. There's a lot of people talking in monotone. There's a lot. There's a lot of politics. It's a lot of a lot of Senate disputes. A lot, and just I wanted more fights with Obi Wan and uh, Kwai Jin and the other guy, whatever Darth Maul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, man, oh man, that movie was disappointing. I uh, was obsessed with Star Wars previous to this, so when I heard about the new one, I was so excited that when I went and saw it in theater, I sort of convinced myself that I liked it, and I saw it in theaters many times. Um, And then as like it got to the second one, I was like, oh, no, these are bad. (laughs) (laughs) So the second one is what broke you? Yeah, the second one. And actually, I even, as I saw this in theater multiple times, I had this plan. I was like, okay, if I just go pee or to the snack bar at this point when they're on Tatooine, the whole movie is so much better. (laughs) If I just skip this 20-minute chunk right here, that'll really, that'll be my own version of the director's cut. That'll be my cut of the movie. (laughs) <laughs> that's interesting so you you went and saw it so the second one you couldn't get into did you ever see the third one the third one was actually okay like, like the third yeah. one was definitely the best of the best of the group but the the second one i think i only saw it once ever same the, here yeah, yeah i saw it in theaters and never again i was like okay yoda jumping around like a super ball uh that's ridiculous um i also have no idea what's happening and yeah i, I just don't care <laughs> Thanks, Star Wars. I don't care. You made me not care. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you know, it can either get sadder from here, or we can um, talk about another movie. I see, I see one listed here that I I'm not sure you or I listed. Uh, Magnolia was that? Is that a, a movie uh, that you listed here, Pam? Uh, yeah, I put that one on. It's a movie by Paul Thomas Anderson uh, with hmm. a whole bunch of people. It's got like Tom Cruise, Philip Seymour Hoffman, William H. Macy, Julianne Moore, John C. Riley, and just sort of like the interrelated lives of a bunch of characters, um, I think in California or something. So it was a, I was really into that. Me and my friends were all really into this movie, watched it a whole lot. And there was also a really good soundtrack, mostly by Amy Mann, who, uh, oh. yeah, I listened to that a lot as well. Yeah. Somebody just linked me a song of hers earlier this morning, actually. That's interesting. I did not know that. I need to look that up like right now. Hmm. Um, yeah, I, if I remember correctly, part of the marketing uh, advertising campaign for Magnolia was actually airing that Tom Cruise segment as an infomercial at like 2 a.m. Oh, on, yeah. on certain channels or something like that. I don't know if that's if that's true. I never actually saw it myself, but I, I do remember hearing about that. Do either of you remember hearing or seeing anything like that yeah i don't i remember the scene in the movie because he's sort of like a yeah a, what's it called a some kind of speaker like a yeah the motivational speaker motiv- he's, motivational, he, yeah. he's got the he's got the headset on he's, he's ridiculous he's saying ridiculous things uh he's an asshole yeah it's, it's pretty bad i had to go look it up yeah somebody 
linked me uh, Amy Mann calling it quits. And I guess this is like a recent thing of hers. So I really, I've been wanting to dive into that. Thank you for the reminder. I'm going to keep this up. <laughs> well, let's do a quick movie roundup before we move on here, because uh, 1999 was also uh, the year that American Beauty, The Green Mile, American Pie, uh, Dogma, the South Park movie, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut, 10 Things I Hate About You, all those movies also came out that year. So to, to add credence to what Pam said earlier, pretty decent year for movies, at least a lot of them that were memorable for me. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, and it, it does it does trump the video game list quite a bit. Uh, but now we have to get to the part of the show that's never fun, but we ha we have to acknowledge these things because they are, again, formative experiences because we lived through them. The first one listed here is, of course, Columbine, and that is, um, you know, still to this day, the school shooting, the mass school shooting that people will call back to in reference to all the ones that have followed over the, the 22 years since, um, started a really bad trend that... Uh, I don't know that it'll ever go away, but hopefully subsides to some degree at some point. But I do remember, um, I remember the the day it happened because for some reason I associate, and I think I brought this up in a different one, uh, like April Wednesdays or, or there's something about those days. It says also the, the uh, Oklahoma City bombing was on a Wednesday in April. And it's just weird that I, I remember coming home and having a weird feeling that something had happened. And hmm. I remember actually thinking when I walked in, I think my mom was glued to the television. I was like, oh, it's it's a Wednesday in April. This must mean something something bad's happened. Oh. Some of this weird huh. premonition. Interesting. Uh, yeah. I mean, could also just be nothing. But I, my mom not really wanting to talk to me about it because I'm a school kid. So she's like, yeah, I don't really want to scare you with all this like real life that's happening yeah. right now. But there's no way to avoid it. It's It's obviously everywhere. Right. There are two things I remember about Columbine for me personally. One is that my friend Alyssa got suspended for bringing an umbrella to school like a couple days later because I guess like they thought it was like a gun or something. <laughs> I don't know. It was yeah. raining outside and she brought a black umbrella because oh. that's all she had and she got suspended from school for two days for bringing a black umbrella to school which was just the height of absurdity. The height of hysteria, really. Um, the other thing I remember is that it was the first experience that I had uh, through the media, uh, through consuming media, where like, okay, it's time to it's time to blame video games. It's time to blame music for all this stuff happening. Yeah, they're, 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 the, the reason this happened is because they're playing Doom, and they think mm -hmm. they can do that in real life. And it's like, I don't think that's true. <laughs> number one, I don't think that's true. And number one, if that were true, there are millions of copies of this game everywhere. And somehow this isn't happening everywhere. Why do you think that is? You know, one of those things. So it was just stupid. Like, the, the that's what makes me mad about events like that, is that it seems to make people stupider. <laughs> I guess. I don't know what else to phrase it. I remember them blaming video games, and I do remember sort of dress code changes and people yes. getting in trouble for right. nonsense. Like, I had a friend in high school, Phil, who on a civvies day, because we went to a Catholic school, we wore uniforms 90% of the time. He he always came to school dressed like the crow, basically, and he was not allowed to do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. Poor Phil. I, hope I he's remember his best that. life now. You remember Phil? I hope so. I hope he still dresses a crow, yeah. That would be awesome. <laughs> Face paint and all. But yeah, you're right. Uh, 
you could not wear uh, trench coats to school mm-hmm. anymore after that. It's so stupid. Like, really? The trench coat is what you're scared of? Give me a freaking break. But, um, yeah, that was a hard time. That sucked. That was not fun to live through. I was a... Um, that happened in April 99, so I would have been a junior. I just remember thinking, thank God I'm a senior next year and I'm going to be done. Like, me and all my friends were like, yeah, there's going to be like like five or six security guards there's going to be metal detectors like we're going to have to like it's like going to through an airport security you know it's going to be bad i just remember thinking that after the fact too so yeah that never i don't know if that ever came to pass at that particular school i i if i had to pick a school where that would come to pass it would probably be that where i went to high school Hmm. personally because they're they're that uh, clenched, I'll say. But um, yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So uh, Columbine, we, we we talked about it, and then uh, there was also the JFK Jr. plane crash, which was all over the news. Woodstock '99 happened. There's a lot of a lot of mud, a lot more Limp Biscuit, mm-hmm. which I guess is good, but a lot of mud. Um, I heard that was did, wasn't there like a Netflix thing about that? And yeah. About how horrible it was. I haven't seen that. Yeah, a lot of like. Um, assaults and oh, things happening there and, and I, yeah when i say horrible yeah when i say horrible i'm not talking about the music i'm talking <laughs> about like what people did there oh it i bet yeah truly yeah. awful and weren't there like babies born just in the middle of mosh pits and stuff like <laughs> it's kind of nuts and then also uh 1999 was the year uh, vladimir putin ascended to the presidency so there's that uh, 1999 left a lot of impressions on the world Hi, I'm Michelle from Point and Drink Adventure Podcast. Join me and my friend Pam from YouTube channel Cannot Be Tamed as we drink a little wine and talk about the media we consume. Everything from movies, video games, and even vinyl pickups. Listen on wherever podcasts can be heard and check out our YouTube channel Point and Drink Adventure for more extra video recordings of our podcast. Drink well, my friends. Bye. Uh, All right, most popular TV shows released in 1999. Now, we're getting to some fun animation stuff here. So your Family Guy debut, we got we got SpongeBob, and I didn't like SpongeBob, and I really wouldn't like watch it on my own now. But have you ever gotten high and watched SpongeBob? It's quality. I always thought I was too old for SpongeBob. I had no idea it came out in 99. Okay. Yeah, me too. I SpongeBob completely passed me by. I I didn't even know it was a thing until way later. But no, I have never gotten high and watched SpongeBob. That sounds like fun. <laughs> it's not. I will say it's. I will say it's not bad. It's just not bad. <laughs> There's maybe better ways to spend your high, but if you find yourself watching SpongeBob, that there it could be worse. Uh, and Family Guy is. Uh, I I had, you know, my college years were very Family Guy rich. Yeah. So early mm-hmm. Family Guy was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll go to bat for bit. like the first like two seasons, three seasons, however long it was on. When it first came out, I, I'll go to bat for that. I thought it was funny. Yeah, and I, I want to say I enjoyed it, maybe for the first seven, eight, and I don't even know why I fell off. I think it just got samey. I I just remember the show got canceled, and then it came back on what was it, Cartoon Network, I think. I and it came right back. It to was Fox. just different. Or was it Fox? I don't know, but I thought Fox was, revived it. Was, it. When it came back, it just felt a lot different, and I didn't really like it. But those first three seasons were, were mm-hmm. pretty funny. Yeah, and rewatchable. I've seen tons of... I mean, anytime it was on, whether it was a rerun or not, the whole dorm room was gathered around the TV for some Family Guy. 
uh, Law and Order SVU. I think what is there? I don't, I'm not sure. I, I can't keep my uh, crime dramas in order. But is that the one that everybody watches? <laughs> I can't remember. Is that the? It's the, still on. Mom I watches think. that. Yeah, Ice T's in yeah. it. Yeah, it's got that Christopher. Really? What's his name? Maloney on it. Maloney. <laughs> yeah, it's it's still on today. Yeah. Man, that's crazy. What else here? The West Wing. That's that's a pretty decent show. I've watched a couple seasons of that. I've watched that multiple times. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I really like The West Wing. So, for somebody that's never seen an episode, how would you sell it? How would you describe it? Like, what would you say the best parts of it are? Um, The best parts are just the snappy Aaron Sorkin dialogue. So, depending on whether you think that's uh, amusing or annoying uh, <laughs> just just a bunch of you know left-leaning people just trying to do the best they can for their country and you know sorry to put you on the spot there it's, it, it's 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 nice like it's very idealized but it's like oh wouldn't it be nice if okay. this was how things worked <laughs> okay when i saw that show all i saw was like People walking very fast down oh, hallways. Walking and talking. Yep. Yes, yeah. walking and talking, and I'm just like, people don't talk like this. Why are they? <laughs> I would just get mad. So yeah, um, I've always met wanted to check out West Wing, but uh, I've I've never. It really... also feels self aware to to a degree that I think makes me appreciate it more. I didn't hmm. I didn't follow it through with like with like every season. I watch like a, a couple seasons, but like it really knows its its own sense of humor and like really pokes funded itself and politics at the same time i think it's pretty well done and it's not you know 1999 but it doesn't feel dated like a lot of it's still relevant somehow mm-hmm. that's interesting yeah. hmm. would not have guessed that yeah uh and then uh chris rock hbo stand-up specials all the rage in 1999 well i i put that on here because chris rock was the coolest guy in 1999 um this is when he was at his peak with his uh, stand-up special. He was so... Di- I love stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. And he was so different than everybody else. Because he was, like, aggressive in a way. Like, when you th- when you think of, like, aggressive and loud uh, stand-up comedies, you think of, like, St- Sam Kinison. Mm-hmm. You know, like, people that are unhinged. Like that. But Chris Rock was just like, no. This dude's like a cheetah. Like, he's just, like, stalking <laughs> the stage. Oh, yeah, Going back true. and forth. <laughs> and he's just dropping these, like, gems of knowledge. Mm-hmm. And he's... He... And it was just one after another. I don't think he... I think his... I don't know when his first uh, stand-up special landed, but I just remember him in the late 90s at some point. Um, I remember uh, Bring the Pain being like a huge deal because it was so different than everything else uh, out there for comedy. I was I was used to watching like, you know, coming home after school and watching like the half-baked, you know, stand-up comic that was on mm-hmm. uh, Comedy Central at the time. It was, I don't know, Larry Miller for the millionth time or something <laughs> like that. And I like Larry Miller. Okay. okay. But... Uh, but uh, what's his name? Uh, Chris Rock was so much better. Uh, he was so like just alive. Like he was so he had so much energy and just I don't know. Like he made you. It reminds me kind of a little bit not, since it was brought up earlier of Tom Cruise in Magnolia, <laughs> where he was he had that same kind of like yeah that energy. 
but uh he's very yeah. magnetic and contagious like it's hard not to watch yeah a contagious, that's the word and not like you know for an hour after talking to your friends do his yes. cadence like yes na, 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 na. like always yes. kind of like that yeah it's uh i've definitely had my uh my phases of chris rocking around the house he was that guy was on top of the world at that point like he was the best like if i had to pick like it's almost like how you can pick like the best uh baseball player like of every era like if you had to pick like the best stand-up of every era like the late like from 96 to 99 it it was chris rock and i don't think anybody came close I he think was that's so fair. good and so funny and so he, he was like right on top of like topical stuff too mm-hmm. which made it that much more fun yeah that's a good point Glad you listed that here. We hadn't we hadn't really listed a lot of uh, stand up stuff, but uh, that was a good call. I recommend checking out uh, that uh, some of his stuff from that era because it's really really good. Oh yeah, B- bigger and blacker is yes. so good. Yeah, that's one of the best. Yeah, uh, teen. Uh, what we have here, our section here, is kind of a catch all for just things that came out that you could put in your mouth, but like cool food and beverage <laughs> trends and things that kids were into to eat. And so we got Gogurt. Gogurt came out in 1999. I don't know that I've Did ever really had a Gogurt. You know, I have. What do you think about Gogurt? Would go first, Pam. <laughs> what is a Gogurt? Pam doesn't know is a it Gogurt. Is it like a yogurt on the go? I think that's it. Uh, yeah, it's like a tube that's. Uh... Ew! No! <laughs> it's like toothpaste that you can swallow. I hate it. <laughs> Okay, so I know we have Pam's not a fan. I've never, I'm neutral. I've never tried it. Uh, Alex, you can you not just take a cup of yogurt with you and a spoon? You, like yogurt is a very portable food. You got to if you're a kid, you have to carry that spoon around. That's <laughs> if tough. you're a sloppy kid on your way to the to the playground, you need you need gogurt. You need to go with your gurt. Alex, you were 17 in 1999. Were you were you were you toting a lot of gogurt? <laughs> oh hell yeah! You know, I, I, you know how like uh, you know handymen have their handy belts with yeah, all yeah. their tools. I just had a bunch of gogurt. Wow, you were at Ozfest just slamming gogurt. Yo, just slamming gogurt. Yeah, that's how I kept my energy level up. That's how it works. That's good. And you chased it with CR Mist because that also came out in 1999. <laughs> the, uh, the the answer to Sprite. The answer to Sprite. They figured it out. I liked Sierra Mist for like a second, and then something happened, and I just, I don't know. I just don't like it anymore. I, I haven't liked it for a, a long time now. I think what so. happened for me is my mom really liked it, and she had it always in the house to the point I just got sick of it. It was just, mm. I had it too much. Now if I smell Sierra Mist, I kind of get queasy. <laughs> Which is weird. Does it mix well with drinks? Does do either of you know? Like, have you ever tried probably. it? Probably. Like, yeah. Probably something. Does. Probably not. I mean, I feel like it's, it's one of those enough. like tea drinks that doesn't. It that's not. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, carbonated, right? No, I think it's carbonated. I mean, is it carbonated? Sierra okay. mist. I might be thinking of the wrong thing. It ain't. It ain't Sierra flat. Sierra mist. <laughs> it's got bubbles and whatnot. All right, enough of that. Uh, best-selling books, uh, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, or Azkaban, depending on where you're from. Uh, that might be my favorite book of the whole series. That was a pretty good one. Mm. Mm, I hear some... I hear some, like the fourth one the best. You like the fourth one. You like that I, goblet. goblet of Fire? You like that I goblet. also like the fourth you're, one the best. You guys are more fourth ones. Okay, well, fine. Yeah. I like, you know, Gary Oldman is is the key... The, the, the key oh. See, serious oh. black in the movie, so I think I associate that in the book, and I'm just in love. 
I didn't get into the books until maybe a year or two later when I started working in a bookstore and having mm. to do midnight launches. But then I started from the beginning and read through them. You are go. you, Pam, are you relatively high on Harry Potter? Like, do you like those books? Like, what's your, what are your um, thoughts on that? I enjoyed them a lot up until four. And then after that, it was kind of, I don't know, they kind of lost me a little bit, especially Dude. the last one that got so mm, long. Yes. And I don't even, I don't think I've even finished the last book. Same. I started it and was like, nah. <laughs> Dude, I am in lockstep with that. Um, because my opinion is that I think Harry Potter lost a lot of its charm once they started getting out of school. Yeah. Like, a big part of it for me that hooked me was like the Diagon Alley, like and the, the classes, the teachers mm -hmm. and all the assignments they had to do. Mm -hmm. Oh, I loved all of that stuff. It was like, you know, a school for, you know, it was I, relatable. It was, That's why. You yeah, know. it was relatable. Yeah, exactly. And then once they started doing like just whatever, it's like, oh, Harry, you must do your Patreon us or you must start a Patreon or whatever the hell. <laughs> I, I don't remember what it's called. But. Patronus. <laughs> I'm still confused by Horcruxes. Like, you got to go find a boot in a lake and beat it to death. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> why. No, he's got to start a Patreon and, and a YouTube channel. Uh, I like just throwing around the term Horcrux for no reason. Like, hey, if I can't think of what something is, like, hey, honey, can you hand me that uh, goddamn whatever it is, Horcrux over there? <laughs> yeah, so, so that's the evolutionary version of thingamajig? Pretty so much, because I didn't understand it in the book, so I just I've put it in my real life as just an, <laughs> an, like a, just an item that's coveted uh, is a Horcrux to me. Uh, uh, a walk to remember? Yeah. Oh, go ahead. You have more Potter? Oh, I'm sorry. No, I, I just love the the first four books. I might go back and reread the first four books just because those yeah. are the four that have all the school stuff in them. And then once, and especially the the school dance stuff, I know it's tacky, but I loved that. I thought it was really cool and it really put the, the books in like a very specific part and time that i think everybody can relate to mm -hmm. and then once you get to like the fifth book which i think is order of the phoenix uh it, it's just like now it's just a bunch of action stuff there's no more school there's no more anything it's like i don't it this doesn't <laughs> this isn't fun anymore I, I like the school stuff but yeah that's just my rant on harry potter that's all I was going to say, there's a bunch of cool books that came out in 99. Uh, Thomas Harris continued with the Hannibal Lecter with Hannibal. Ooh, okay, good. Uh, Michael Crichton released Timeline, which I really liked at the time. Is that when they one? go back into like medieval times. I really liked it. I only read it the one time, but I liked it a lot then. Oh, I do like Michael um, Crichton. And hmm. uh, Battle Royale came out in 1999 as well. Hmm. Not familiar with that one, but uh... I've always wanted to go back and read Timeline because I loved Michael Crichton, you know, uh, like Andromeda Strain and Terminal Man and all that sort of stuff. Uh, Jurassic Park, of course, and so so Timeline. I remember that getting like bad review. Maybe it was Airframe that got bad reviews. I loved it. I'm the only one that likes Airframe. I think it's great. But yeah, Airframe, and then. After that, I kind of like Michael Crichton just kind of fell off. So, okay, timeline. That's a Michael Crichton book. That mm -hmm. would you recommend that, Pam? Uh, yeah, based on my. Uh, I mean, uh, your twenty-three-year-old memory of it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, uh, you can't recall it that clearly, but I, I would like to read some of that stuff. That would be interesting because 
it would be a nice uh, revisit of that stuff of of that voice i guess we'll need to throw so it that'd be cool we'll throw it in the book club we'll do it yeah uh and because it was all about star wars in 1999 all the toys were super star warsy but lego star wars is kind of and i could be wrong about this but i feel like it was kind of the beginning of their themed sets um, prior to that, it was just they—they they didn't really want theme sets, but uh, they wanted you to just use your imagination. But Star Wars comes along, and there's money to be made. Pretty I didn't much. I did Lego, but I had—I got a bunch of the Star Wars figures that came out with Episode One. You know what I remember? Okay. I re- do. You guys remember when um, Pepsi? I think it was Pepsi, and all of the variations they had specific character cans with Star mm-hmm. Wars characters yep. on them. And I, I collected those. <laughs> And uh, to the point that I think, I believe it was Jar Jar exploded in the cabinet. And my mom was like, all right, this collection's (laughs) officially over. So I cut little holes in them and drained them and still kept the cans for a long time until my mom was like, okay, these really need to be recycled. (laughs) There are ants Mm -hmm. everywhere. (laughs) This is an issue. (laughs) But it was really cool. It was fun to collect. I remember my my parents were even in on it. We had to go to uh, like a Winn-Dixie, which is a really southern grocery store chain, like three towns over, just to find that Mace Windu. And we called ahead. We're like, do you have Mace Windu? I think it's like Diet Dr. Pepper or something, some shit. (laughs) They were like, yeah, we got like set that case aside. We're going to come get that. Like there's there's so much Diet Dr. Pepper between us and this Winn-Dixie, but we got to have the ones with Samuel L. Jackson's face on it, or my son will have a meltdown. So, good times. Good, good times. All right. Love it. Now to I Alex with sports. Oh, do I have to do sports? Oh, shit. No one okay. else is going to um, Well, the Super Bowl that year was the miracle year with the Rams, the St. Louis Rams. Mm. Uh, that was when the uh, greatest show on turf. And that was Kurt Warner, where... Man. The big story was when he went from being a bag and groceries a couple of years before, and then he uh, decided to join the uh, what was it the is it was it the Arena League? I think so. Yeah. And he he played for the Iowa Barnstormers or something like that, and so he and then he got a tryout with the Rams. Uh, the Rams starting quarterback, who they just signed to a big free agent deal, Trent Green. Uh, he tore his ACL, so mm. he's out for the year. Trent. Here comes here comes Kurt Warner to be the the everyday starter. Good thing for Kurt Warner, the Rams roster was absolutely freaking loaded with talent. That team was so fun to watch. Stacked. I mean, he had the one of the best left tackles ever or with Orlando. You start Pace. with a left tackle. I love that. This team was stacked. They had tons of amazing electric <laughs> playmakers. They had a left tackle. Listen, they had a left tackle. It so <laughs> but it's true. Like if you have time to throw, then you have time no, to, you're right. You're right. to get these guys involved. Orlando That's just not the Pace. The first guy. <laughs> I mean, I Orlando. Say. <laughs> Come on. Captain Drachma is going to love the Orlando Pace <laughs> drop cuz he's an Ohio State fan, but he just upped his Patreonic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Orlando Pace on the left side. And then you've got the receivers. Holy crap. You had Isaac Bruce, Torrey Holt. Torrey Holt was a rookie that year, and he just lit it up. The most understated part of this whole thing was the trade for Marshall Falk, which actually mm-hmm. happened a year previous. And he was, you know, lingering on the Indianapolis Colts doing nothing for nobody. And then the Rams were like, hey, we'll give you 40 cents on the dollar for this guy. And so they got him. All of a sudden, the Rams have like two Hall of Fame receivers with the best running back in the in the National Football League, with the best left tackle in in football, and and Kurt Warner's handed the keys to this, and it's like, okay, all right, let's 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 do this, and they end up scoring like 
35 points a game every game until they get to the Super Bowl, and they only score like 16, I think. The the Titans kind of shut them down a bit, but uh, yeah, there's the infamous scene of, uh, I think the receiver's name is Dyson, that yeah. is reaching for the end zone, and he mm-hmm. falls a yard short, which is always tragic to see, but yeah. Was that also the year of the Music City Miracle? Mm, might have been, yeah. I think, I think that so. Might have been, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was uh the Buffalo against the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo and Titans, yeah. Buffalo Titans, yeah. I think I think you're right. I think it was. That was a that was a good year for football. Good yeah. year for it, football, that, yeah. That was in fact, yeah. It was fun to watch. Yankees win again. They beat the Braves. Who cares? Uh, then we got uh one thing I love is that the Tennessee uh Volunteers beat Florida State in college football, which is hilarious because the year before. One of the best players in Tennessee history, Peyton Manning, had just graduated and got drafted to the NFL, and he never beat Florida, and he never won a national title. So here comes T. Martin leading mm-hmm. Tennessee to to beat Free Shoes University. That was great. I loved that. I don't know why I loved that so much, but that was that was a lot of fun at the time. We'd be remiss if we didn't mention the Virginia Tech Hokies. In in that uh, in that whole equation there, yeah, big year, big year from a little town here. We had uh, we had a real big real big year that year, nineteen ninety nine. So nineteen ninety nine, Virginia Tech. You know, we we start the season we're ranked pretty high. We're in the top fifteen. That's pretty good. Uh, we yeah, got a little good. bit of respect out here. We've had we've had a good nineties. We had a good nineties ever since the Sugar Bowl where we beat Texas to kind of put us on the map a little bit. Mm. You know, we're doing pretty good. And that was actually the start of a big recruiting cycle that would pay off here in nineteen ninety nine, where we have uh, a player a lot of people might have heard of called Michael Vick. He's, he's come to some trouble since these days, but let's just focus 1999, his redshirt freshman year when he's in college. He's barely 19 years old, and he takes over the entire sport and actually changes it in a number of ways to where people are like, wait, quarterbacks? you telling me quarterbacks can run? Is that what you're telling me right now? They don't just throw. They can, they can, they can move around and, and run, too? And they're like, yeah, we just figured that out, too. Uh, we got a guy that does it. He's pretty great at it. He's so fast. Thing is, though, he can also throw it good, too. And they're like, why, he can throw and run at the same time? Like, yeah, he's been doing that. It's been a great summer. So we come out. We have uh, a few, you know, cupcakes out of the gate. We got, you know, JMU, UAB. No one's really sure where UAB is, we think, Alabama. No one's real sure. <laughs> and then we play Clemson. This is when they're when they're awful. But then we go. We got ranked Virginia. We got ranked Syracuse, ranked Miami, ranked Boston College, and just clubbing them. Just... You know, it's, we're winning games sixty-two to nothing, sixty-two to seven, forty-three to ten. Just, just laying it on thick. Really fun to watch, especially because prior to this, and I always make fun of it. I live in the hole of the Appalachian Mountains. Not a lot going on around here. We're like one of the last places on earth to get power, and we love it. We're huge into power, but <laughs> cable, you know, getting broadcasts of Virginia Tech games was not a thing. Before 1999, you either went to the game in Blacksburg or you Jesus. prayed to God it made prime time because you were not going to get it on TV. But this year, you know, and, and maybe the year before, they were starting to be like, all right, Virginia Tech football is kind of becoming a thing that is good for money and ratings. So maybe we can put it on some local feeds, get it on get it on some of the local channels. I remember watching a good number of these games on this very staticky ass you know, bunny ear antenna TV in our living room. Nice. And like having to like, when it was cloudy, like having to hold it with my finger. Cause for some reason that gave it like a better signal and just standing there like hunched over it just to see these games. It was a huge fan. 
And uh, a great game that year was the West Virginia game. It was a big miracle at the end. Vic, of course, come through magical. Big victory. So we earn our way out of nowhere to a national championship game, which is, looking back, that's kind of incredible. Because mostly, you know, before and after, it's it's a very predictable set of blue blood programs that either make mm. a college football playoff or at this point even get ranked in the top five. And there we are. There we are. We did it. And uh, we went toe-to-toe with, you know, the aforementioned Florida State. They had Chris Winkie, who was, I believe, 46 at the time. He might be 78 <laughs> now. He I might be dead of old age. coming. He's so old. Uh, they had Peter Warwick, who uh, very talented uh, 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 wide receiver for their team. Uh, that whole football, that whole Florida State football team, I think, went to the NFL um, and are probably in the Hall of Fame. It was an incredibly stacked football team. But, you know, the game... We were all just kind of hoping, you know, as good as the season we had, we were like, damn, it'd be great if we just, you know, look good on national television. That'd be great. Winning would be amazing. But if we just don't look like a bunch of bumpkins that came out and got stomped, that would be, that'd be incredible. Well, we, we get out, we loot, we're out, we're down 28-7 early. We look dumb. Mm. It's like, damn, that's no good. But then in the third quarter, something magical happens and we, we end up taking the lead. We did a two point conversion because we were like, fuck it, let's just do it. We went up 29-28 very late, but couldn't hold nice. on. Winky and the gang uh, powered through, ended up ended up winning the game. But what an incredible season. One of the most memorable, you know, sporting experiences of my life, especially because it's like local and like all eyes here. It was very cool. We've not returned to that glory. We may never. But that's the this is the season that keeps most of us old fans hanging on. It's like, man, remember that? It'd be nice to get back to whatever that was. We didn't cherish it enough. So that, that's my 1999 Hokies story. Sorry, Pam. We can now move on to uh, whatever's next. Or, no, or, we can't. Let's, oh, no. Let's stay here. Trivia? No, I mean, we can do trivia if you want. But, Pam, do you have any thoughts on that? <laughs> on the Hokies in 1999? Yeah, on, on, on any of that. On any of what Travis just said. Um... Yeah, I have many thoughts, but it'll probably take too long to, <laughs> oh, to get okay. through them all. All right, so, well, we'll, we'll save that answer. for a, a bonus podcast. Pam was like, yeah. I was like paying my bills while you were talking. I wasn't paying. <laughs> Pam was paying, playing Planescape Torment while I was talking. She had no idea. <laughs> I was going to say, what? let's play a trivia game. What was okay. Pam doing uh, <laughs> while Trav was doing that? Uh, yeah, I wanted to give you a uh quick 1990 you know what this isn't gonna work look the site is down i'm not even saying the site i had bookmarked for this exact purpose uh sportsreference.com slash cfb i'm getting an error 1015 pam do you know what that is you work in it (laughs) Uh, I don't know what that is. Good thing Pam's here. Pam, what's Come the on, error code? <laughs> Obviously. Here, let me let me I, You think that's the only website that's got that information? Could be uh could be somewhere else? Uh I uh, maybe I I just want to google 99 uh Virginia Tech football. And quiz me on it? No, it, well, I can <laughs> quiz you. That'd be great. Um, but I wanted to quiz Trav. I wanted to... Um, oh, here we go. Okay. You set? This is perfect. All right, let's All right. start with an easy one. Okay. 
uh, defensive end. Who who is the defensive end of that? Uh, Ninety nine. Uh, Corey Corey Moore. Welcome to the Terror Dome. He said one time on the news. All right. All Scared right, everybody. All right, all right. All right. I don't think that guy ever blinked. What about? And also John Engelberger. He was across from him. Yes. I, do, I remember both those guys. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the other guy, John Engelberger. I think he had a cup of coffee in the NFL. Yeah, I think Broncos. Yeah. How about the senior cornerback? Who you got? Hmm. Senior. I mean, uh, was there only one senior? Uh, there was this guy, Anthony, uh, Anthony Midget. You are correct. He was a junior, but, uh, uh, yes, that he was a starter, but, uh, Ike Charlton. What's that? Ike Charlton. Ike Charlton is the guy I was thinking of. Yes. Mm, Excellent work. Who's the safety? Uh, I think this, so the safety is, uh, Famously, also like the third string quarterback, Nick Sorensen. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> God damn. I was hoping to stump you with some of these, but nope. All right. That's all I had. You hit the defense hard, and that was my weak spot. So you, uh, I just barely got out of there. Right. So thank on. you for that. All right. Thank you for that. What else have we got with sports? I mean, we l- let me let me just do this. All right, and, and NBA lockout. Who cares? Jordan's retired, so nobody cares. It's a shortened season. Spurs mm-hmm. beat the Knicks. Whatever. Yep. Who cares about that? Uh, hockey. We've got uh, Dallas beating Buffalo in the Stanley Cup. Brett Brett Hull clearly had his foot in the crease. It's <laughs> yeah. it's garbage. Yeah, it's it's terrible. Everything's terrible. Just Real like quick. every time I talk, everything's terrible. Uh, Jordan crease? retires again. What's a crease? Just real quick, real quick. What's a crease, and why can't your foot be in it? A crease is where the goaltender is able to roam. I guess is the mm. right word to make sure that like like no players are allowed in that. Okay. So Brett Ful- Brett Hall had his foot in the crease. <sighs> uh, Brett and and uh yeah. So, you yeah. can't do that, Brett. I've heard it here. You can't do that. Well, that was and Jordan retired again, and then he came. Yeah, back. Jordan uh, retired again, and that was it. All right, very good. Well, we did sports. That was 1999. We've done 1999. It feels good. I feel like we partied like it was 1999. I feel 1999. I actually am excited to go back and watch Blair Witch. That's the one thing I'm kind of hooked on right <laughs> now. You should go back be. The, Blair Witch is awesome. Let's get into these emails. Uh, first one here, you know, just a pretty basic question from our friend Mega Drive Profile, who's been on the show before. Young people trying old video games. This was like a like a Seinfeld uh, setup. Uh, what do you guys think of the newer generation getting into retro games? What about that? What about these young kids playing these old games? Yeah, screw all of them. They're all dumb. They don't know what it's like. They don't know what it's like. We had retro games back in the day, and we liked it. We liked how you would die after three three lives, and that was it. And you would just have a game over, and you have to start over again. That's mm-hmm. how it was, and that's how we liked it. We loved it that bad. I don't know. Classic yeah. Alex taking yeah. the high road. Um, Clearly. <laughs> uh, the, my only issue with it is that if they collect the physical stuff, that affects me. That affects my bottom dollar. Uh, I, I need I need my uh, my retro games to, to remain cheap. I don't need none of these these young kids coming in there with dad's money taking up all of my good stuff. That's my only issue with it. I, I'm all, please play all the old retro games. Stay out of my game store. Pam, do you have an old person's take on this like we do? 
I don't have an old person stake. I just have like, go for it, play it. I'm happy with, <laughs> you know, the mini consoles and the Switch online and whatever else of have things coming out. I think it's cool if people are checking out retro games. They like them good. If they don't like them, don't care. Yeah. <laughs> if they don't like them, actually, I understand. Like when a, when a young person yeah. likes retro games, I'm like, there's something wrong with you, man. These are hard. <laughs> they don't look good. Like I, I like it because I'm old and have an affinity for a time when I was happy. But you, you don't have an excuse. You, you should play all the new stuff. Anyway, uh, thank you, Mega Drive Profile, for that, uh, that email. Next, we have one from Matt. The collection you wish you'd started way back when. Hey guys, as I draw my Game Boy collection to a close, I found myself dipping my hands into other console libraries that I've always been curious about. However, the more I start trying to look into collecting further consoles, like the Neo Geo Pocket, or even more recent retro consoles, is that an oxymoron, like the Dreamcast, I find myself facing astronomical costs compared to what the games go for in my head. Are there any collections you wish you had started a few years ago, and what are the games for those consoles you wish you'd found at a flea market or for a couple of bucks that go for eye-water sums now? All the best, Matt. And, and Matt, for, for me, I think the easy answer is like, I don't know, all of them. But I think if I really <laughs> wanted to narrow it down, I think it's it's somewhere like Saturn or or, uh, or Sega CD. There's a lot of, you know, and again, you can play these games in a hundred different Lots ways. Lots of Sega. Not, they're not locked in physical medium, but like some of those really good games go for a lot of money and and to me uh those systems were a bit gated by their uh short pre short uh shelf life anyway because by the time i could get a sega saturn or a sega cd they were kind of like off the shelves or gone or forgotten so that might be one i would go back and pay a little bit more attention to in, in it today i just i just like the phrase i water sums i think good. i think he's really nailed yeah. something there it's funny he should bring this up because well actually the video I, that I have posted on Thursday, which is the day after today that we're recording, I'm talking about the game Little Samson for NES. And that is a game that goes for thousands and thousands of dollars. Loose. Not even like a complete in the box kind of a thing. Just loose. And I wanted to explore, like, is this game, like, actually good? Like... Is it just a collection piece or is it good? It's actually good. It's very good uh, to the point that mm -hmm. I wish that somebody somewhere would grab the rights to it and release it somewhere, uh, like digitally or something like that. But yeah, <laughs> the, the astronomical costs, I don't think, are going away anytime soon. Um, I'm kind of done with my collecting at this point. So just going from a strictly financial perspective, you know, if I had a, picked up a few Snatchers and Haganes mm -hmm. a while back, you know, that would have probably been good. But in terms of actual collecting, the only thing I sort of wish was that I never threw away all my big box games. Oh, yeah. What are we talking about so, here? Which big PC box? stuff? Like PC big box games. Oh, okay. Okay. I can remember getting really disappointed when I was still kind of into PC gaming and they started doing the non-big box option. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Where it, Yeah, the smaller box. Yeah. Well, it wasn't even a box. <laughs> it was like a DVD case, just oh, yeah. like an extended oh, oh, DVD case. That 
Oh, okay. Yeah. Because they went from the big box to, like, the DVD-sized box, but it was still a box. Like, it was still, like, an inch thick, yeah. but then they went right. just to the case. No, there's yeah. no cardboard with what I have. I have, like, Unreal Tournament 3 and Call of Duty 2 and Age of Mythology and stuff like that, and they're all just, like, in these plastic DVD cases that are slightly wider, and I wish they had the big boxes with them. All right, we got one last email here from uh, from Phil from Jersey. I can do this one. Go for it, yeah. Shadow Complex, Phil from Jersey. Hey, guys, I was totally done with video games once 3D came around until I had kids and came across the SNES Drunk channel on YouTube. Now I'm hooked on going back to find stuff I've missed out on over the last 30 years. Jeez, that's a long time. Uh, thanks... <laughs> Thanks to the work Alex has put in over the years, I have more than enough content to guide me. I've been using PS4 as my main source, and it's working out nicely with all the available anniversary editions. And he says he's currently going through Castlevania Requiem. And he says, now I have an obsession with 2D platformers, especially Metroidvania, and I wanted to know... If you've come across Shadow Complex yet, and what do you think about it? Cheers, Phil from Jersey. I've not played Shadow Complex. Never heard of it. I have played Shadow Complex. Yes. I... Thank God somebody has. <laughs> I think it's pretty good. It's a cool Metroidvania. Definitely more inspired by the Metroid side of things. But yeah, it's like, uh, you know... 2.5D, you just run around shooting things. There's some turret segments. Uh, Nolan North voices the protagonist. Uh, it's pretty cool. It was originally a Xbox Live Arcade game back in the day. Oh, but uh, it does sound familiar, but I I just can't place anything about it. So we got a we got a vote of confidence from uh, from Pam that uh, it's a good game, Phil. Uh, Phil probably sent this email in on Flag Day of 1998, but. <laughs> Uh, Phil, if you have played it already, you should. Pam says it's pretty good. You, you should enjoy it. Do you have other Metroidvanias that maybe aren't? Because um, I know you've, you've played a fair amount of those, Pam, uh, that you would recommend that maybe are off the beaten path or not mainstream? Um, Less mainstream ones. There's a new one out called Islets, which is a pretty cute one where you play a little mouse going on an adventure trying to reconnect five islands that have sort of come apart. Um, Eterna Noctis hmm. is another kind of uh, under the radar one from last year. It's like a super, super difficult one if you like hard 2D platforming and uh, arrow shooting. And uh, yeah, if you like really difficult games, Eterna Noctis is a good one. Um, hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of cool ones. Uh, Ender Lilies is another one from last year, which has a sort of nice pretty but dark atmosphere and it's just sort of a, a solid solid combat you get special um i forget what they're called but like special people that help you so you kind of like summon knights and things to attack for you because you're just playing a little girl when you when you first start getting into a metroidvania pam what is like what are the things that you look for like what do you like best like what what are the things that like jump out to you? Definitely the control scheme is the first thing. It's like it's got to feel good to 
run around mm. and jump. I tend to not like things that are too souls inspired, although there are definitely <laughs> some ex- uh, exclusions to that. I'm sorry. I can't help but laugh at souls inspired. It's just a reflex at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I like, so I, I like some like good boss fights. That's another big, big thing for me. I boss fights generally more than the platforming or just general combat. Like I kind of like the just running around combat to be kind of easy and like not get too much in my way, but then have like nice, difficult boss fights. Cool. That's there's a good list for you, Phil. We've 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 packed you up. You should be ready to go for another six months with that. All right, I think that's I think that does it. We did 1999 and we did emails. I think we've done a full episode. We've done the 99th episode of Drunk Friend. Pam, once again, thanks for coming on and spending some time with us. We know these have been girthier, so we appreciate you hanging out late. You were great. Thank you for having me. That was fun. And I can't believe that you act it's actually 1999 on your 99th episode. That did you plan it like that? <laughs> it's weird. No. <laughs> it's weird. Man, every single oh, it's just I can't who knows what'll happen next. We have to go to the year 100. Okay. Well, that that's going to wrap it up. Uh, and uh, if you want more podcasts, we got more. I mean, if you go to polymedianetwork.com, we got we got some more podcasts. Let me tell you about them. You got Tales of Lesser Medium, which is pretty good. It's a pretty funny podcast. Uh, you've got Uncle Doug's DVD bin. You got a, you got one about Goosebumps that just came. You like Goosebumps books? You're nostalgic for that. Come on. You, you're a 90s kid. You listen to all these. You want to go back and listen to We Got Goosebumps. If you like indie games, we got Indie Quest. And we got to talk about point drink adventure because pam you're you have a, a new podcast uh with our friend michelle maybe tell us a little bit about that like how's that going what can people expect it's going great so far i think we've done five episodes and we talk about we start out talking about whatever we're drinking so we pick a certain wine or a certain cocktail and give you a little bit of the history what it's made of where it's from we do a little tasting and then we just go on to talk about any sort of media we've been consuming whether it's games or movies or books or anything like that and then sometimes we go through pickups at the end it's also a video podcast it's audio as well but honestly the video is better and michelle does a lot of work making the editing amusing so yes yes it is a very fun watch she does do a great job you both do a great job it's a very entertaining podcast i highly recommend it and uh so check that out you can also if you want to send us an email we'll get to it eventually you know near a holiday of your choice you can send that to drunkfriendpodcast at gmail.com we got the 2000s coming up folks so please send your 2000 themed emails uh in and now alex it's your time to, to go through oh, your blue part of when the script you, when you said the 2000s coming up i was like what i thought next year was 2023 well what's going on <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah you're right we do have the 2000s coming up so yeah i guess we're gonna keep this going uh if you're not interested in sending an email no big deal just give us a rating and review on a podcast app of your choice that'll help us out big time that's right you can find us all on social media on twitter i'm at Pla- traff plays games alex is of course at snestrunk and you can find pam at jasila underscore is that how that's pronounced jasila Yes. Oh, no, that's what I've been that doing. Was Pam, no, it's Pam's Josiah. never called me out. <laughs> yes. Is it really Josiah? Oh, yeah. I've been pronouncing it wrong this whole time. That's okay. Oh, I'm awesome. <laughs> that's that's a great job by me. The track you hear is called. Uh, <laughs> the track <laughs> you hear is called right now was composed by our friend Coolar and is called 
Oh, Jesus. The track you hear was composed by our friend Cooler and is called Electric Starbounce. You can find a link to more of his music on the Buzzsprout podcast podcast page. Jesus Christ. Shout out to Josh Leslie for his thirst quenching logo. Good God, after the talk. God, am I crying? Be sure to catch us all on YouTube, and thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your day and get out of here. Good Lord. (laughs)